Come on, look at somebody and say happy birthday. We're starting a new series today. We're going to jump right into it today. It's going to be like my wife says, it's going to be short, but so sweet and so good and covered in lip gloss. Um, new series today called Jesus Town. Jesus Town. It kind of reminds me of an old uh, delirious song, but Jesus Town. And it's themed around this. What does daily life look like with Jesus at the center? And our goal is that we have beliefs and theology, our daily life. What does it look like to build our lives with Jesus at the center of our town? If you have your Bible today, I hope you do, turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be parking there for a bit. I'm going to read a few verses. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. And we believe this series for the next few weeks. Um, will encourage you. I believe it will help your daily routine. It will help your eternity and your daily. And we need the help when we can. And again, we want to say happy birthday, Nova Church. And we don't even think six is really that impressive, but we sure love who we get to do church with. And the best is yet to come. Can someone say amen to that? Matthew 16, verse 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this to uh, his disciples in verse 15. He asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because you... Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church. And what he's actually saying there is not Peter. Peter's not the rock in which he built this church. The, uh, historians and theologians agree and they, they, they go through. He says what he's saying is, Peter, on this revelation that you just said, that you didn't get from man or from Twitter or from Instagram, that you got from heaven, that I am the son of God here to save the world. On that revelation, on that rock, it says, I will build my church. And I love this. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. Another version, New King James says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I'll give, and it goes on and says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. I want to jump over to 1 Peter chapter 2. You're going to see it on the screen behind me. This is Peter who just said that. He said, on this rock, on this revelation. Well, we hear Peter's own words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. He says this again years later now, living as an apostle and a disciple. And Jesus has now ascended to the Father. And Peter's own words, the same man that shared that revelation, says it again. He says, you, in verse 4, you are coming to Christ who is living cornerstone, the rock, the cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God and was a great honor. You are living stones, talking to us, church. We are living stones that God is building his spiritual temple. What more? You are his holy priests. Through the uh, mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone of Jesus in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 7. Yes, you who trust in him recognize and honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become our corner stone. Last verse, Matthew chapter 17. Never apologize for reading the Bible in church. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 and 5. Jesus speaking to people. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come and Hurricane Lee batters the province, and torrents and floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. 
Today, for these next few minutes on our sixth birthday, our speaker last week um, could not come in for this weekend. And I want to encourage you. I haven't come with a sermon today on our sixth birthday. I've come with a word. Some of you know what I just said right there. It's not just a sermon. We believe that this is a word for our house, for this season, for what God's doing. If you're taking notes, write this down somewhere. The center of town. The center of town. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these moments together. Jesus, would you be elevated? I pray the talents of women and men would fade. I pray the words of men and women would fade, but I pray the word of the Lord would rise. I pray the name of Jesus would be shouted and mentioned and praised. God, we lift you up today. Come, Holy Spirit, as only you can. In Jesus' name, everybody said, I love cities. I love cities. Anybody else love cities? I get excited. My wife, for the last 20 years that she's lived here, 23 years, when she moved here to marry me, every time I see a crane in the city, I get giddy. She's like, I know, Mike, it's looking more like New York every day. I just get, now I know there's housing challenges and I know there's a downside, but to be honest, I get really excited. That's why one of my great friends in this church, he's in charge of building skyscrapers and I just love him because he's growing our city for a lot of reasons I love him, but he's growing our cities. I love cities. One of the most fascinating cities I've ever been to is Las Vegas, Nevada. If you've been there, it's a fascinating city. And there's a downside, and there's a, there's, a, there's a horrible side, there's a hard side, but there's also a brilliant side of technology and architecture that is beautiful. And I've been to Las Vegas three different times um, on missions trips. I took teenagers, 30 teenagers, three different times to Las Vegas. That says a lot about me and how I think. Um, just me and 30 teenagers walking through, uh, <laughs> helping homeless, and we were living in homeless shelters, and we were doing stuff with, with Youth with a Mission and doing all these things, and, but Las Vegas is a fascinating city. One thing I love about Las Vegas is they have these, these, these replicas of other cities of the world. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. They have a, a, a casino, and I like, it's a theme based on New York City. It's fascinating. You walk in, there's a Statue of Liberty, not the same size, but a smaller Statue of Liberty, a, a replica of the Statue of Liberty. They actually, even in the casinos, you're walking through the shops and coffee shops, they have manhole covers inside that have steam coming out of them like you're in New York. If you've been in New York in the winter, even in a cold day in the fall, you'll see the steam from the sewers. It looks so romantic, but it's actually sewer juice coming up. And they replicate that in Las Vegas. If you go to the Venetian, they actually have themed on Venice, and there's canals in there, and they have men singing in Italian, pushing gondolas through the middle of the casino in a river, and you can get on a gondola ride to go from the craps table to the slot machine. It's fascinating. And they're singing, and they got the bandanas and the striped shirt, and it's a replica of the canals. They have the, the Parisian boots is built on Paris, and they have a small Eiffel Tower, and it lights up in the skyline. And if you stand on one corner in a certain place by the MGM Grand, you can see the Statue of Liberty shrunk. You can see the Statue of Liberty and the Eiffel Tower made by the same person. You can see those, and you can see all these replicas of these cities. What's, what's funny to me is that I've been in these, this city with people who have never been to Paris, never been to Venice, have never been to New York, and they're like, you know what, I've been here, good enough. I got a picture of the Statue of Liberty, it's the same as saying, go to New York, but it's not the same thing. It's a replica, it's not New York. If you've been to New York, Vegas is not New York. It's not Paris, it's not Venice, it's missing stuff. If you've been to the real ones, you know that Vegas is only a replica, it's missing the smells, the food, the rats. 
the people and personalities of Paris and New York and Venice and this, every side street is another chance for an adventure of an un, unknown bookstore or a great uh, cannoli or coffee or cobblestone and people watching and what they've settled for is a replica of something. And when they say, yeah, I've been to New York, I've been to Venice, when they've only been to Vegas, it's laughable at best. It's deceived and lost at worst. Because they're missing out. We just read about Jesus as the cornerstone of our faith. He's the rock. He's the foundation and the center of our faith. And I believe we've said it before, but I need you to listen to me today. I believe there is a war. There is a battle. There's a struggle. There's a tension of trying to have a church without Jesus at its center. It's actually a replica of what it's supposed to be. When I talk to leaders, when we talk among ourselves, when I talk to pastors, there's this tension, there's this, there's this battle, there's this struggle between people wanting a replica of faith, a replica of Christianity, and a replica of the church. But denying the fullness and the realness of Jesus at the center, the cornerstone. On our sixth birthday, as we build and as we grow and as we move and as we direct, I believe today, for some of you, will be a call higher. I really believe it's that. Some may feel a call out of this church. I believe God wants to call us higher as I battle personally and you battle corporately that we remain to keep Jesus the center of this town. We see it in scripture of a replica of faith in Genesis chapter 11. We're going to go way back to Genesis chapter 11 and there's a story there of the Tower of Babel. It was in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and there's a story here when I think about replicas of faith, which I believe is speaking through the generations and the millenniums to us today as we talk about the uh, Jesus town, keeping Jesus at the center of our town, of our life, of our faith, and of our church. In Genesis chapter 11, I want to start reading 1 to verse 9. It says, at, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language. And use the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. This region they used bricks instead of stone and tar was used as mortar. And they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to see, to look at the city and the tower that the people were building. And he said, look, he said, the people are united and they speak the same language. And after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Make no mistake, unity is powerful with God or without. You've seen it with basketball dynasties and sports teams. You've seen it in businesses and countries. You see it in politics and, yes, even churches. Unity by itself is a powerful force. These people had no God. They had no Jesus. They had no divine instruction. But their unity of one voice, one heart, one, one language, one goal, and even God says nothing can be withheld from them. Verse 7. It's actually the first time in verse 7, one of the first times we see the whole trinity represented in Genesis. It says, come, let's go. Another version says, let us go. God is talking to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, let us, let us, let's go. 
down and confuse the people with different languages so they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the city, scattered them all over the world and stopped them from building the city. And that is why the city is called Babel, because the, where the Lord confused the people with different languages, in this way, he scattered them all over the world. Today, I just want to challenge you with this simple thought, but a really challenging, sober one as Nova Church. I'm talking, if you're a guest today, we're glad you're here. But I want to speak to those online and in person, balcony to the front row, that call us, call Nova Church home. Is the question we need to continually ask is Jesus the center of what we are building? That sounds like it should be an obvious yes. It sounds like, well, it's a church. They're Nova groups. We have Nova worship. We have Nova youth. It sounds, but it's not an obvious answer. In my faith, in your faith, when we're building, is Jesus the center of our faith? Is Jesus at the center of what we're building? So many people and so many churches are building replicas of Christianity and calling it the real thing. It's interesting, as I look at Genesis 11, look what Babel enjoyed in their building that did not have God at the center of it. Look at verse 1. It says, at, the same t- at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. They had community. They enjoyed in what they were building, without God at the center, they enjoyed community. The lonely and disconnected, you can say, people found them and they said, hey, we don't need to be scattered. We can settle here. We belong. Here's what their words would have been on their slogans and on their banners in their city. Words like, better together. You belong. And unity. Sounds like faith. Sounds like the church and you do belong here. And we do have unity. And we are better together. But isn't it interesting that they enjoyed community without Jesus being the center. They had a replica of Christianity. You know what else they had without being Jesus at the center or God at the center? They had a common mission. I don't know about you, but I just love mission. I love it. They had common goals. They had a common accomplishment. It says in verse 3, it says this. They said, they begin to say to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Let's build something. They had a mission. You know what I've learned is that people love mission. One thing people are attracted to even in our church is they said, we love your heart for, the, for injustice, going against injustice. But your backpack event was sobering and inspiring. We love your vision to help our city be better. We love that you're building something. We love the strong vision of helping those far from God come close to God. And it's interesting, this community without God at the center had strong vision and mission and purpose. But it was a replica of what God designed the church to be. Genesis 11, God was not at the center, but we see this. They also had influence and fame. It says in verse 4, let us make a name for ourselves. Make a name for ourselves. Oh, fame can be a replica of success. Nowhere in scripture does it say God's called us to be famous. He's called us to be faithful. Now sometimes you can become famous for being faithful. Celebrate people's 50th Wedding anniversaries, man, they put you, they still put you on the news, on CTV news. And you can get some fame, but that's not your goal. It was faithful. You can become famous for faithful. We have a whole bunch of people chasing fame. And fame is a replica of success in itself. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, if the Holy Spirit was removed from the earth, most churches would carry on as usual. 
I'll say it this way in context of this message today. If Jesus was removed from the lives of Christians and churches, would our faith in churches stay the same? What we wrestle with, if we're not careful, we'll make community, we'll make vision, and we'll make influence in our city the center of what we're building. If we're not careful, we'll only come to church going, listen, it doesn't really matter what God says. We'll put the Bible to the side because we're just here for the community. We're just here to build friendships and have coffee and small groups. If we're not careful, we'll say, hey, we just love the vision. We love that we're helping people. Do you know how much money we're helping people with homelessness and counseling? Do you know how, what we're doing to feed people? Oh, I love the vision. Man, I'm believing that we're going to get a building. And if we're not careful, we'll build around the vision of a building, the vision of a community, the vision of influence. If we're not careful, we'll have a replica of what God's designed. Who is the center of what we're building? Who directs our lives? Who directs your lives? Who directs our church? This is the battle we're in. This is the tension we're fighting. Jesus must be the center of our town. That's how we know if Jesus is the center of our town, if he directs our lives. That's it. That's the deep stuff. I feel like Pastor Mike has preached before. I have, and I will, and will continue to preach. This is the battle of this generation. It's a form of godliness, but denying the power of following Jesus. As we go into our seventh year, celebrate our sixth birthday, this is what I'm challenged with in my spirit, in my faith. If Jesus was removed from my life, would it look any different? Would I still have Nova groups, aim for a building, help our city? Would I be a good person or does it make a difference if I'm built around Jesus Christ? He's not a stone. He's the cornerstone. He's not a level. He's the foundation. He's not an add-on. He is the rock on which we build. Jesus needs to be the center of our life. The truth is so many want the benefits of Christianity without Christ. We want church without Jesus. We want community, vision, mission, influence without following Jesus at the center. That's not church. That's a replica. And it's laughable at best and you're lost at worst. God, help us. And you can hear this as a battle cry or a, or a rallying cry, but we will keep Jesus as the center of our church. I'm going to say this slow because it's really important. I say it with great softness and humility. We resist progressive Christianity for the sake of staying in line with culture and building the tower of self-revelation that it's building. We resist it. There's this pressure to be relevant. I don't want to be relevant. I want to be real. I don't want a replica. I want the church. I don't want to build around community and vision. I want to build around Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center. And we must radically recommit to following Jesus each day. And it is radical. Some of you, all you're hearing is church words. In the name of Jesus, we cut through it. It's radical to follow Jesus. To read this, believe it, and follow it is radical. It's interesting, as I travel through cities and towns across our province, there's all these old uh, white-walled churches that the cities were built around. The church used to be the center of the city. It's not like that anymore. Figuratively, spiritually, or realistically, it's radical to say I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's what people say. They say I'm spiritual. I've heard it from some of you. I'm spiritual. Spiritual is a replica of Christianity. I'm not spiritual. I'm a Jesus follower. 
And it's radical to say it. The name of Jesus divides rooms, even in hearts. It divides culture. It divides social media. You can say you're spiritual, and everyone will cheer you on. You go to your guru. You go to your yogi. You go to whoever you want. But when you say Jesus is the center, and if he said it, I'm going to try my best to obey it, it's radical. We're not looking for a popular church. We're not looking for a big church. We're not looking for a unity church or an influential church or a community group church. We're looking for an obedience church. But I do know this, if we follow Jesus, he'll draw all men and women unto him. I do know this, that when you have Jesus at the center, you'll have no problem with people, that God wants to save people, that God wants to build community, that God wants us to have unity, that he wants us to reach into the injustice and the dark parts of culture and be a light and a solution, and he wants us to have influence in every level of culture, but that's not the center. Jesus is the center of our lives. It's going to be the center of this town. So many are spiritual, but they're not following Jesus. When you say I'm spiritual, what you're saying is I am aiming upwards, but I look inwards for direction. When you're spiritual, like I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be enlightened, I'm trying to have perspective, but I lead myself. When you say I'm a Christian, you're saying this, I follow Jesus. And that is a world of difference in that statement. That will divide right down the middle, friend groups and even churches. God, our call is not to be a replica, but to be the church. The Babylonians wanted a tower that would reach the heavens so they could be like God but would not need him. You see that there? They didn't want God's direction, but they wanted to be like him. It's interesting. I did some research on the Babylonian architecture, and it's a style called ziggurat-style tower. And I have two pictures here on the screen. And one picture on, on this side is what, it's what historians and archaeologists believe they, they, they found the ruins, it's about 45 miles outside of Baghdad, Iraq, and they said this is the style they would have built. It would have been like stairs. And their goal was to build it to keep going towards the heavens. On this side is actually an AI-generated version of what it would look like today, the same architecture. It's interesting, with this style, their sin was in their style. They believed they could make their own way, like a stairway to heaven. It's a replica of salvation. One way is making your way to God. But my Bible says our God made his way to us. The sin was in the style. If we build enough buildings, if we have enough groups, if we have a, a, enough community, if we, if we help enough people that are suffering and on the margins, if we do enough good work, then we can build something of ourselves that is impressive and we can feel like God without following him. Christianity is God said, well, you are still a long way off. He sent his son to die for us. Every other religion, every other movement, every other, every other momentum has men trying to get to heaven. And God said, no, no, I will come to them. Their sin was in their style. One is making self God. The other, the church, is submitting to God. Let me ask you today, who is the center of your town, of your faith? Oh, what God wants to build with our lives. I see church buildings. I see campuses. I see Nova groups. I see prayer rooms. I see influence. I see unity. I see celebrations. I see conferences. I see youth groups and youth ministries. I see uh, people being launched all over the world on missions. I see it. But it's a Jesus being the center. Let me ask you, who's the center of your town today? What's the center of your faith today? I just love the community that we have. Me too. But it can't be the center. Who's the center of your church today? 
Who's the center of this church today? Is it ourselves or is it Jesus? See, if it's ourselves, we'll have pride. Do you see our merch? See how many numbers we're bumping up now? If it's ourselves, we'll have pride. See the building we're going to have? And it's going to be such a cool building, by the way. If it's ourselves at the center, we'll have pride. If Jesus is at the center, we'll have humility. Thank you, God, that you used us. Low on talent, but high on great friends. Thank you, God, that you would use even the low things of life. Thank you, God, that you would use the, the simple and the, the weak. When Jesus is the center, there's a humility. If it's ourselves at the center, there's an independence. Look what we did. If Jesus is the center, there's an obedience. Oh, God, not my will, but yours be done. If we're at the center, it's exhausting. We've got to build this thing. We've got to keep it going. No more hurricanes. We're losing momentum. Come on, no more pandemics. I don't know if we can come back for that. If, we, if we're the center, it's exhausting. If he's the center, it's refreshing. Come to me, all that are weary. I will give you rest. If we're the center, it's our truth. It's your truth and my truth. If Jesus is the center, it's the truth. Jesus is the truth. The way, the life. If ourselves is the center, it's all about fame. If Jesus is the center, it's all about success. And success is being faithful. If it's about ourselves, built around us, it's temporal. We'll have it for six years or 50 years. But if we build it around Jesus, it's eternal. Today makes sense and tomorrow is secured. Jesus sets us up today, but he leads us into our tomorrows. If ourselves is the center, we're imprisoned by works. You gotta earn it each week, you gotta earn it each day. I gotta give more, do more, be more. We're imprisoned, but if Jesus is the center, we're free. He who the Lord sets free is free indeed. I wanna read it again today before we close. Matthew 16, and Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18, now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell cannot conquer it. Read Matthew 7, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Church, we're building our lives around Jesus where the gates of hell cannot win and the storms of life cannot destroy. And you build on the rock. The gates of hell cannot come against your marriage when it's built on Jesus. The gates of hell can't come against your teenagers and your kids. And the storms of life, economic, political, climate, relational, when the storms of life come, you can stand when it's built on the rock, Christ Jesus. The gates of hell cannot prevail and the storms of life cannot win when we're built and make Jesus the center of our life. And our call today, as we build, and we've got things to build, God's called us to build. Build a church, people come in. Not to our fame, not to our name, not to our community, our vision, our unity, or our mission, but to come in to meet Jesus Christ. If they meet Jesus, and he becomes the center of their life, 
Hell can't prevail and storms can't win. And that's what we're building here. I want to challenge you today to a radical recommitment to follow Jesus as Lord. Well, I don't like what's in here. Jesus is Lord. It's hard to follow his word, Jesus as Lord. I'd rather be spiritual, Jesus is Lord. He's the center of town. It's a radical commitment to follow Jesus as Lord and the daily practices to keep him at the center of town. For the next few weeks, we're gonna be unpacking Jesus town. What does it look like daily? What does our daily life, not Sundays, not Sundays, our daily life, what does it look like to build your life around Jesus? Some of you have been in this for 30 years. It might be a rebuilding. It might be a deconstructing of some towers that you've built with steps and going, no, no, Jesus needs to be the center. Some of you, he might just be off of center. You go, I'm just gonna bring you back in my life and say, Jesus, would you, would you please make sure you're the center of my life? Not preaching, not church buildings, not ministry plans, not small groups like Jesus be the center of my life. These next few weeks, we're gonna radically recommit to put Jesus back in our daily life. Some of you are like, Jesus is the center. We're gonna celebrate. Others of you, you need to get him back where he belongs. And Jesus be the center of our town. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I want to bless you today. Hell can't prevail. And storms can't win when Jesus is the center of town. Right now in this moment, if you just bow your eyes and close your eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I want to recommit my life. And maybe you want to recommit your life before we sing the song and then go eat from food trucks and bounce on castles. Church, the future is bright. The future is bright. The city has great need. God has great grace. His church is alive and well. Do not believe the headlines. His church is growing. But we must keep Jesus at the center. I want to recommit my life and maybe you want to recommit your life. Let's bow our head. Heavenly Father, We come together as the pastors of this church. And Jesus, would you be the center of this town? We come as a worship team and say, Jesus, be the center of this town. We pray for every seat and every row in the balcony to the front. Jesus, would you be the center of our town? Center of our singleness center of our marriages, center of our parenting, center of our businesses, center of our waking up and our going to sleep, in the center of our storm, in the center of our, uh, of, our, of our quakes, in the center of our struggles, in the center of our wins. We give it all to you. We refuse to build on our own. We are not the God of our lives. We refuse to have a replica of faith. We put you in the center. God, we recommit. Jesus, would you lead this church? Would you lead our lives in the name of Jesus Christ? And everybody said, everybody said.
Oh, come on, church. Can we lift up Jesus as a church? Can we put him at the center? Come on, we celebrate Next few weeks, your faith, your faith will be stronger if we lean in and put him in the center. Amen. Food trucks are waiting. They can, we can, they can feed us. The inflatables are inflated. Cake is being served. Coffee is flowing. Happy birthday, Nova. We love you. We'll see you outside. God bless. Have a great Sunday.